There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. This week, the Angelos family reportedly reached a deal to sell the Baltimore Orioles to a group led by billionaire David Rubenstein, who will retire as the Kennedy Center chairman in January 2025. I spoke to Rubenstein in 2020 about his 10-episode PBS series, History with David Rubenstein. And while we didn't discuss the Orioles, it may give you some insight into the mind of this cultured entrepreneur. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, David. My pleasure to be here. Now, um, I know you've previously done, you know, the, the Rubenstein Show peer-to-peer conversations, um, but ha- how did the concept for this new one come about? Well, I started interviewing people who are historians at the New York Historical Society uh, a few years ago, and ultimately they decided to start a series uh, called History with David Rubenstein, where I interview great uh, historians about their books or people who've been important figures in history. And so now they have... Uh, tape them, and I think a number of them are now going to be shown on WETA in Washington area. Awesome. I have the list of the guests, if you want to run through them really quick, um, just sort of one at a time, and, and you know, why you thought they were so worthy of, of, of conversation. Um, starting off with, of course, Cokie Roberts. I mean, that's going to be a touching one. Any memories of, you know, from your combo with her? Cokie was a longtime friend of mine. Uh, I uh, interviewed her about her three books that she wrote about women and their role in history. And clearly, she knew the subject well. And although many people think of her as a correspondent, an interviewer, she actually was a very, very gifted writer and a writer about history. So the fact that she passed away uh, not too long ago makes it much more emotional to watch this. For sure. Um, And I think episode two is Michael Beschloss. Yes, Michael Beschloss is one of the nation's best-known historians uh, about the presidency, certainly. And Michael has been uh, writing about the presidency for his entire career and uh, we, I interviewed him about uh, uh, the presidency and particularly about a book he has called Presidents of War. And the uh, next one needs no introduction, the well-known Doris Kearns Goodwin. What all did you guys talk about? Doris Kearns Goodwin, of course, is one of the best-known historians in our country. And uh, I interviewed her. Uh, I've interviewed her about many different books, but this particular interview was about her book on um, uh, Teddy Roosevelt and uh, the relationship with Teddy Roosevelt and William Howard Taft. Awesome. Yeah, a great writer, Pulitzer Prize winner, and I know the movie Lincoln was off of her thing. So it'll be cool to hear you talk about her uh, her Teddy bio. Um, and then uh, we have Ron Chernow, um, of course, the Alexander Hamilton biography, which has blown up into a smash musical and the rest. But uh, tell me about that interview. Well, this interview is about uh, his book, most recent book, which is Ulysses S. Grant. And uh, this book he wrote after Hamilton. Actually, he he wrote the uh, many books, uh, one about George Washington, which won the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, Hamilton book, of course, is best known. But the Grant book is, like those other books, extremely well written. And although they're long, you can't really put them down. 
And so this is about that interview. That's this interview is about that book. Awesome. Um, and then we have the former Harvard president, Drew Gilpin Faust. What all did you guys get into? Drew Faust, before she became president of Harvard, and she was president of Harvard for about 11 years, she wrote a book called The Republic of Suffering. It deals with an incredibly uh, unfortunate situation that during the Civil War, it turns out, where about 600,000 uh, men and women were killed, uh, there were terrible problems about what to do with the bodies because they had never had this much death in any one place before. And so where do you bury them? Uh, Union soldiers couldn't be buried with Confederate soldiers. White soldiers weren't buried with black soldiers and so forth. Officers weren't buried with enlisted men. So how do you identify the bodies? How do you, can you tell the family how their death occurred? It was a complicated situation. And she went through the uh, agony and the macabre sense of what happened at that time. That's going to be cool. Um, all right. And then next, Andrew Roberts. Andrew Roberts wrote a one-volume, maybe the best one-volume book on the life of uh, Winston Churchill. It was a bestseller last year and had a chance to interview him about Winston Churchill's extraordinary life. And in the United States, we have a high regard for him. We made him an honorary citizen. It's often hard to believe that he didn't become prime minister the first time until he was 65 years old and then led Britain uh, through the war and later became prime minister again when he was close to 80. Yeah, that's, that's insane. All right. Uh, Jill Lepore is next. Jill Lepore is a Harvard professor and a terrific historian. She wrote a book called These Truths, and it is the first comprehensive uh, encyclopedic book of American history written by a woman. Uh, it turns out that most of these encyclopedic uh, books of American history have been written by men, but she did an incredible job. It's a quite a long book. It's almost 900 pages, I recall, uh, but it's a terrific look at it, and she brings a different perspective to it than men typically bring to uh, encyclopedic histories of, of the United States. So it's quite a good book. That's exciting. Uh, all right, and then the next episode is Robert A. Caro, Pulitzer Prize winner. Robert Caro is a man who has now devoted 35 years of his life to writing about uh, uh, Lyndon Johnson. He wrote a book that is considered by some to be one of the best uh, books ever written about a, a, a politician or a biography, which is uh, the book that he wrote about Robert Moses called The Power Broker. That took seven years. This one has now taken 35 years. He's uh, come out already with uh, several volumes. This is the final volume he's working on, which is Lyndon Johnson's uh, life um, uh, as president. But I also interviewed him about a, a book he wrote about what it's like to be a historian and, and kind of his life as a historian. And this interview is to some extent about this new book that he's written about, which is not Lyndon Johnson, but it's about what it's like to re research Lyndon Johnson's life and Robert Moses's life. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and then the next uh, is a name a lot of uh, readers will recognize, Walter Isaacson. So many biographies we've, we've loved. Yeah, Walter has written incredible biographies of, uh, of, of people. Obviously, maybe the most famous was Steve Jobs, but he had great books on Benjamin Franklin, a great book on, uh, on, on um, uh, not one person, but a book called The Innovators, which is what I interviewed him about uh, here. Uh, to some extent, all the people that helped lead the uh, revolution that led to the Internet and so many of the technologies that we, we deal with now. Uh, but his book on uh, Einstein, his book on Benjamin Franklin, his book on uh, Steve Jobs are, are spectacular books, and also his book on Leonardo da Vinci, which is a, another spectacular book. So I've interviewed him about all of them, and, and I covered a lot of that in this interview. That's great. Yeah, that Steve Jobs biography is one of my favorite biographies I think I've ever read, so that's going to be exciting. Um, and then wrapping it up, you have... Douglas Brinkley. Douglas Brinkley uh, is a great uh, historian about the presidency. He's written a large number of books 
Uh, this particular interview uh, was about a book called The Moonshot, which is the race to get to the moon that uh, President Kennedy launched uh, in early in his presidency. It's about how the complicated the effort was to get there, how very few people actually wanted Lyndon jo wanted President Kennedy to do this, and how ultimately uh, it occurred when uh, when Richard Nixon was president. But uh, that occurred in '69. Obviously, Kennedy didn't live to see it, but he made it possible to get us there. Great. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Now, I mean, that's a lineup right there. Yeah, me. Uh, these are all great writers, great minds, too, great historians. How do you go about preparing for each one of them? I mean, I assume you, you read, do you read the, the biography in, in full, right, to prepare for it? Or have you, have you already read many of them? Um, in preparing for an interview, I always read the book. I think it's a courtesy if, uh, to, to, to read the book. And so I do read it. And then I write down questions that I would like to ask. And then I kind of, over the course of a week or so, kind of memorize the questions. And so I do it without actually having any notes in front of me. I think it makes it look more like a conversation. And so I think it works out pretty well that way. Great. And then uh, where, take me a, just a little bit more into the logistics. Did you, these were, this was all, was this all pre-COVID, uh, you know what I mean? Or were these all, you know, where did you guys film them? Well, these were pre-COVID. Um, typically, they are done in one of two places. A studio that WNET in New York has, a public television uh, broadcasting uh, station in New York. Some of them were done there with no live audience. But most of them were done with a live audience at the New York Historical Society um, in, its, uh, in its main auditorium. Okay, cool. Um, well, that sounds great. But before we go, you know, tell our listeners maybe a little bit more about yourself and your background. I mean, you know, we see you at the Kennedy Center Hunters every year, and, you know, you're very involved with tons of things in the D.C. community. But, you know, maybe some listeners that maybe don't know, you know, where did you grow up and that sort of thing. I'm from Baltimore. And I, I went to college at Duke and law school at the University of Chicago. After a few years of practicing law in New York, I came to Washington, worked on Capitol Hill, but then I worked in the White House for President Carter for four years, stayed here, uh, practiced law. Then later I started an investment firm here called the Carlisle Group. And now I'm still part of Carlisle, but I also involved in a number of philanthropic things. As you mentioned, the Kennedy Center, I've been the chair of that for about 10 years, and I was the chair for a while of the Smithsonian. I'm very actively involved with the Library of Congress and with the National Archives and with the National Gallery of Art, where I'm also on the board. And I try to spend a fair amount of time on philanthropic things in this region, because this is where I raise my family. This is where I live. That's great. And, uh, you know, how exciting has it been, you know, putting on all those Kennedy Center shows, not only the Mark Twain Prize and the honors, but, I mean, you got, you've had so many legends come through those doors for that. Um, but then also... You know, to speak to this is going to be a little a little bit of a different year. I mean, it, we're it's hard to predict how this reopening in phase two and three and all this going to go. But um, are you guys just sort of in wait and see mode on whether you can roll out a red carpet at a time when people can't really gather? Well, uh, we have to be guided by what the laws are in the District of Columbia, really. And so we're waiting for the mayor to make decisions about what phase we can go into. Uh, it, clearly, it will be difficult to do very, very large events in the very near future. 
So I, I think that uh, we will probably uh, make some announcements soon about that. But uh, we have um, the ability to uh, let people tour the Kennedy Center at some point when that is a, a, uh, possible. And we will probably have some smaller productions and other things in the reach where smaller crowds can gather uh, and it makes it possible to do that. And then we have the outside area. So in the outside area, of course, that's much safer to, to uh, be involved with. But until uh, we have much greater guidance about what the health situation is, it, it's as true of all performing arts organizations and facilities. It's very difficult to have very large events. Yeah, it's a little too soon to tell, too, for some of those fall things. But, I mean, if if worse comes to worse, is there a way you're going to do it virtually? Or is it something where you would maybe skip a year? Or have you guys even thought about that? Well, we think about it all the time, and uh, we're working on it now. And I would say we haven't come to a final decision about the best way to do it. But there's no doubt that we do look forward at some time to having uh, the Opera House and the Concert Hall and the uh, Eisenhower Theater filled again and having people there who feel safe when they're there. And that's what we care about the most, make sure everybody's safe. And uh, we were working very hard on it. Deborah Rudder, the president of the Kennedy Center, has done a really good job of trying to balance all the considerations. But right now, we are not in a position to have large events, of course, nor is anybody in the country. For sure. All right, well, then just uh, bringing it back all the way around, you know, why should our listeners tune in? Give them uh, the little pitch. History is important because if you don't know the mistakes that have been made in the past, you might make them again. That's the reason we study history. And so when we learn about great people in the past, we're really learning about things that they did right and wrong and that things that we can learn from. Sadly, in this country right now, we don't teach history very much. We don't teach civics very much. The result is that very few people can actually pass a basic citizenship test that foreigners have to pass in order to become U.S. citizens. Foreigners who want to take uh, the citizenship test, 91% of them pass the test. You have to take 10 questions. You have to get six of them right, um, and 91% pass. Recently, uh, a large survey was done of native-born Americans. More than 25,000 native-born Americans were tested, and in 49 out of 50 states, Native-born Americans could not pass the basic citizenship test that foreigners have to pass in order to get into this country as citizens. And that test basically is civics and history. So it's uh, we have a long way to go. So if somebody watches these uh, programs, they're not going to learn everything you need to know about history, but it might whet the appetite to do two, two things. One, read the book that is being talked about, which is good, and books are a good thing to read. They really focus the mind. And two, learn more about history and learn about other important people and important events and maybe read other books. So I do think that this is important. I try to do this as well with members of Congress. Up until COVID, I had a program where I interviewed once a month a prominent historian in front of only members of Congress. And last year, I came out with a book that uh, described a lot of these interviews. And the, that interview, that book was called The American Story. And I will have a book coming out of my new interviews done not just about historians, but about prominent people like Bill Gates or or Jeff Bezos, or Warren Buffett, or Oprah Winfrey. That book uh, is called How to Lead, and that comes out in in, uh, this September. Awesome. That's great. We look forward to those. But first, check out the the History Show uh, on PBS, WETA. Thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. 